We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Rams Soccer Radio. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back, Michael Stewart. We're here on the weekend. We took the yes, week sir. off. I accidentally took the week off. You know, things happen, but we're back here to cover some coaching changes, some big coaching changes, and try and make some understanding, try and get some some kind of some kind of a clue on what's going on with NFL hiring. We had a good discussion even before we started the show, and... I think it's a fair question to ask, and but first things first, Mike, how you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing well. Excited to uh, to be here on this great Saturday and talk about uh, our Ram Nation family and uh, these coaching hires. So I'm excited, man. How about you? Oh, it's a wonderful day full of joy and cheer. Went back to work this week. Got a little tired. Got to go visit a certain medical facility to take care of certain. Uh, Weird allergy things popping up. It's a weird week in general. How's that sound? It's weird. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You saw the, you saw the yeah, arm. Yeah. You saw what happened yeah, that poor man. thing. My wife was like, hey, man, how's DC doing? I go, I, I'm assuming <laughs> fine. We're having a podcast. So, <laughs> man, how is that arm? It's, 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 it's fine. It's a little, you know, it's almost gone now. It's kind of weird. Uh, All right. So, yeah. yeah, what a strange week in general. But we're glad to be here. We're glad to talk some Rams football and, and, just off the bat, before you get knee deep into it, can you at least give your first thoughts on the departures of Wade Phillips and, of course, Bones, John Fossil? 
Uh, first thoughts are always it's the NFL, it's coaching. Uh, personal thoughts would be why does it have to be like that? That way, you know, my my year I remember I think it was 1990. Didn't have such a good year after coming off the championship run in '89. So after '90, they let go of all our defensive coaches, only to then turn around and get more coaches the next year. So it was interesting that our defensive coaches somewhat became the fall guy for. Uh, I believe we were six and 10 that year, 90. And so I know these things happen. You know, there has to be what either media or management or people perceive, well, we need to change something. So we need to change it up with the coaching staff. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to get some of your thoughts on that as well. I hate seeing Bones go. That's the one. I had a sense Wade was going. Just Really? Yeah. I had been feeling that way for a while. I think I even mentioned on the show, definitely mentioned on Twitter, that it it's not looking too good in terms of where this team is heading, what what they really need. And we'll get into that you know, a little bit more after the break in a second. But then losing Bones, though, the guy who's been who's been the guy. I mean, to me, he's, he is either one of the best or the best special teams coach in the NFL. And it's, I mean, he's above the rest to lose him to Dallas, who finally appears to have a coaching staff forming there. I mean, this, that team's going to take a huge leap next year, just based on quality coaching. They're going to be so much better next year. They're going to go in the next season. I'm predicting now next season, they're going to go in as the favorites and possibly even a Super Bowl favorite, but to lose him in the same position. Like he didn't go from, Special teams coordinator to defensive coordinator. He, he's going there as a special teams coordinator, which means he chose to leave. So why is he choosing to leave? What's better about that situation over there than the one he's in here? Does he just need to change? Because some people just need changes. Or was the money better? The Rams don't want to pay him enough? Or were the Rams and Fossil having some philosophical disagreements? That's what I'm concerned about. It, that's It's hard to replace a guy like Bones. Period. It just is. Yeah, I mean... Well, you know, just from a bird's eye view, maybe with still there's a you know a lot of uncertainty with with the Rams going into the new stadium, so on and so forth. So that's going to be changed for next year. Or maybe he was getting a lot of heat for what was happening or not happening overall. You know what I mean? Uh, there were some games obviously missed some field goals. Can he control that? No. Some games where I think they went for a couple didn't make it on some of the face. It plays okay. That's just part of it. But you at least with Dallas, I mean, you know what you get. I mean, Jerry Jones is going to be there, but it still is "quote unquote" America's team, and there is some stability. But I would imagine, you know, the dollars are a little bit better, and maybe the idea of coaching with Mike McCarthy, maybe more seasoned guy. You know, I don't know. It'd be interesting to maybe talk to his dad. I don't know. <laughs> I guess so. So. <laughs> We have a lot more on this. You might want to do that. We have a lot more on this and a lot more in terms of the new guys coming in as well. It's been a, a, I'm going to say an unsettling week. It's if you are a Rams fan looking at the coaching staff changes, it could be a brilliant set of moves. It could be moves that would just send this team down a bad path. Let's talk about that. Before we do, let you know we're sponsored by Jim Hawk, who wrote the book Hollywood team grit, Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. We're also letting you know we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify. We're on Spreaker. You name it, we're there. Okay. We're still there. We've taken a little bit of a break, but our our guys over at Butting Heads and over there at Rams and Center are still focused on providing you guys some great content over the next few months as we head into next season. So make sure to check it out. And don't forget, we still have that contest going on where one lucky winner wants to get to 200 five-star reviews will then get themselves a nice personalized Rams jersey from the NFLShock.com. While they do that, just go to Apple Music, leave a five-star review. You need to write it out. Write that thing out. Screenshot it and email it to some to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. We could also, if you wish, you could also tweet it uh, and direct a message to us on Twitter, and we'll take that as well. So join up. Check it out. Leave a review. We really appreciate it. And also, if you want to leave us some feedback, don't ever be afraid to leave us some feedback. We want it. We love it. 
you want more of it. So send us that email again, Rams1945 gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. All right. So let's, let's break this one down. Okay. I'm going to start with Bones. Mike, what are your thoughts yep. on Bones leaving? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned a little bit earlier, a little surprising giving the success he has and because he is one of the top guys doing it. Most teams don't let their top guy go unless there's some friction behind the scenes or that individual makes a personal decision to go somewhere else. Now, one thing we do know about Jerry Jones, he's a businessman. And it seems like most people go there, they go there under the impression that this guy is making a strategic business move that's in is going to give his team or the organization an advantage over everyone else. So, you know, my understanding is he takes very good care of coaches and family and everything else. Uh, according to one of my former trainer friends that are still on that staff, loves Mr. Jones for what he does for family. So I think environment-wise, from a coaching standpoint, family man st- standpoint, we saw it took him that long to let go of what he considered a family me- member, Jason Garrett. All those things point to pluses for Bones going there. But for us, it just is raises an eye for me. How do we let one of the top guys go to what would be a competitor in the same conference? What that tells me, honestly, is – they wanted him to go. I mean, I'm serious. If you want this guy around and you don't want him to go somewhere else, you just deny you deny him going. Unless, I mean, my wrong here was Bones out of contract. Was Bones needing an extension? You know what I'm yeah, saying? I, I don't. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, right. I haven't right. seen anything on that. Right. So yeah. that would, and I would think I mean, if the Rams wanted him there, they would have pushed hard to up the ante. If the Dallas is calling him and their Dallas is off from the job and you want bones there, then you're going to pony up, right? You want to provide the best possible coaching staff for this team, especially since they still believe this is a Super Bowl contender with a few tweaks here, a few tweaks there. Right. So I think the one, I think they like, well, Hey, okay, well, John can go. We've had our fill. That's not necessarily a bad thing be- either. Is it? I mean, sometimes you need change. no, yeah, I mean, that change, but, you know, it also goes to the point to maybe, you know, the Rams organizationally have what is called their slots for position coaches in regards to pay. You know what I mean? So now maybe if getting more money or it was going to cost Rams more money to keep him and maybe they had, I don't know, 20, 25 percent, maybe whatever it is that they might have for for what they have for assistant coaches and did break it down. Okay, this is what we are going to pay the range of what our special teams coordinator will get. It's 20% of our coaching or whatever it is. I don't know what it, what it could be. And maybe it's like, well, man, that's going to go outside of what our structure can maintain and we let him go for that, which those are the kind of things that always make you question, okay, why would something possibly be tied to that but i agree with you it just seems like they were like okay we wish you the best and he's with dallas i do want to know and and i think back to that last game of the season when bones ran that fourth down call and right mcveigh was upset and everybody just kind of blew it off and, right, right and it probably is something to blow off i mean things happen and you just <laughs> why not take a shot i guess but what if it wasn't? What if it wasn't? Right. And I asked that question because the Rams are just been so secretive on so much of this stuff. And they, they've they got this whole coach speak thing yes. down to a science. They, I mean, you could pretty much telegraph what a Sean McVay post-game speech or post-game press conference is going to be, especially after a loss. He's going to say it's his fault. He didn't give right. his players enough opportunities Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And you can go back in old podcast, Mike. You and I both did this. We would praise him for doing that, taking responsibility, and you should take responsibility. Uh, but eventually, the song that stays the same gets old, right? You ever listen to a song on the radio and they overplay it forty five thousand times to the point where you never want right, to hear that song again? Right. That's right. kind of how it feels, you know. Like, 
listen, we heard you say you're sorry. We heard you say it's your fault. Well, you know, fix the problem. For all we know, maybe this is how he feels he's fixing the problem, by the way. I just right. losing bones, though. This is a guy who, you know, took over as the head coach for a couple games to end the 2016 season. He's not just some – he's not your average Joe special teams coach. Most special teams coaches are on their way doing something else. Very few of them are specified and as special team coaches long-term. I think of John Fossil. I think of um, – was it Bobby April? Was he one of them? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. And there's another one. I mean, you know, you look at the uh, uh, the Ravens head coach, Harbaugh. You know, he's a former special team guy. But I mean, I say that in the sense of Bones, to me, is a guy who would be more on the track of becoming a head coach. You know what I mean? Just having his experience, Ackerman being around the game from a youngster. But he hasn't gone that route. He's been a special teams coach for forever and a day. He's now, I mean, just check his age, but he's no young chicken anymore. You know, young, he's no spring chicken, sorry. He is up there around, let me see, let me make sure I got the age right. He's 46 years old. In today's world, where you're hiring coaches at 30 and 35, 38, you think you move on, right? He's now been a special teams coach for the Ravens, the Raiders, the Rams, and now Dallas. At some point, you'd think he would become what? The next step up, right? That hasn't happened. Yeah, you would. Yeah, true. I mean, I'm going through his career. He last coached anything outside of special teams for the New Mexico Highlands as the assistant athletic director and head coach in 2003-2004. So since Baltimore as an assistant special teams coordinator in 2005-2007, and then Oakland from 2008-2011. And now the Rams from 2012-2019. to He's been nothing but special teams. Before that, he coached wide receivers for Bucknell. So he would be probably on the offensive side of the right. ball. So why hasn't he been a candidate for anything more? Unless you're one of those guys. You said, this is my niche. This is where I'm at. And I'm going to make my living here. And we've had a couple coaches do that over the years. Yeah. He has that last name, Fossil. I'm just saying. True. You would think if he wanted more, he could get more, and that hasn't happened. But that's also like, why would you leave a team that's been on the cusp now in the last three years for a team that has underachieved for the last 25, even for the Dallas Cowboys? It bothers me. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it'll be interesting, you know, because, you know, go farther in his background. I mean, he was a receiver. He he did some time as a strength conditioning and wide receiver coach with the Amsterdam Admirals. Uh, and so, you know, I was at Idaho State as a graduate assistant. So being that special team guy, he almost coaches it like an offensive coordinator, if you will. Uh, I mean, we have, you know, or we had some dynamic you know, as they call them, trick plays. But, you know, they're very solid plays based on a, a sound concept. So it would be very interesting to, to to see how this plays out and who they get to replace him. Well, that's my concern. Who replaced him now? It might not matter for a while because he has already made his impact on some of the core members of that, that team, the special teams. He's... He's the guy who developed Johnny Hecker and Greg Zerdline. He's the guy who got Jake McQuaid there at line at, at long snapper developed. Okay, you know what? Those guys are, are still going to be there. At least we think they are. But what if they let Hecker go? I doubt they do. But what if they do? What if they let Zerdline? Zerdline's a much a much more likely guy who's not coming back. Once these veterans start clearing out, then you guys are all over again. So they might be safe for now because you are, he already has a system there. You just bring somebody in who can continue to build on that, and you're fine. But then when you bring new guys in, then what? That's kind of what I'm thinking. You might be fine now. What about later? Yeah, I mean, you know, they do have an assistant special team coach, Matt Daniels. He's listed with two years' experience. So maybe they feel he's long enough, given the 
things you've just stated and the guys who have been there in solid in special teams, you know, maybe they feel like they have a guy who can just fill in and do that spot and and maybe they don't rank the special teams as needing to be a certain level as opposed to adequate. Or maybe they feel like Matt Danielson helped keep it at that level and beyond. Maybe they feel like they got Correct. their guy. Maybe, I mean, that's the thing. We don't really, because the Rams are so stinking quiet in there. <laughs> uh, and I don't blame them, by the way. You know, it's annoying sometimes. But for all we know, Matt Daniels has been killing it in picking up how to, you know, this this position, this job. And he is ready for that next step. And then, so then in that case, you can let John Fossil go. Instead of losing yes. Matt Daniels, who probably long term would be a, a, a better fit. Only thing I know, Mike, is this whole coaching carousel thing is killing my mojo. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, no doubt. What's more concerning, I think, in the immediate, though, is Wade Phillips leaving, just to make that transition. Right. I expected it, at least somewhat. You seem more surprised. So let's start with you. What are your thoughts on him leaving the way he did? Well, I'm most surprised in the sense of he was brought in to add some stability to what would ultimately be a young staff when uh, Coach McVeigh was initially hired. Uh, all the things that Coach McVeigh speaks about in terms of a guy who knows the business, knows the NFL, knows players, knows how to coach, and knows how to relate. Uh, always got going marks from coach McVeigh in that that respect however having been at a practice and you see they break from one drill and guys are sprinting all over the place coaches now Wade Phillips is not sprinting all over you know so I don't know maybe you feel like you know the age part of it not so much the mindset but maybe more of the physical aspects of you know wanting to be up up tempo and those type of things played a part. I don't know. But it's unfortunate to me when I say caught off guard is now being a head coach at a high school, you evaluate yourself starting your program, starting with yourself. You know, how are you coaching guys? How are you relating to your staff? How are you, you know, guiding a ship, if you will, and then taking into consideration factors of the game that are out of, you know, individuals control, you know, Wade Phillips. I don't know how much, say he had on guys coming, going, you know, but I know he had a thing, a, a way in his mind, a thought process on how he wants the defense to run. Seemed like he brought in guys to fit that mold. Last year, we lost some guys, right? Uh, even if you talk about Sue being gone, you know, because mm-hmm. of cap or whatever, but it seemed to play a part in this year that Aaron Donald wasn't as effective though he still was getting in there that he was in the years two before. You know, it seemed like we gave up a few more bigger plays than normal, but I put that down or I, I would track that more or less of you just got new guys, new players in the secondary, new guys at backer and different things. It, it's a combination that possibly why the defense didn't stay where it was or improve or if you thought it got better. So in no sense, I was just a little surprised when you have a guy with that much wealth of knowledge, somewhat like we're just talking about with uh, Fossil. You know, it just seems like you're letting a great coach go because it was things not in his total control. Your thoughts? I mean, some of the, some of the different reporting or commentary we've seen, though, afterwards has been more along the lines of Sean McVay wanted to have a little more say over the defense. And what he wanted was... A little, you know, he, what what Phillips brought was a focus on fundamentals, but did not seem to was not willing to make schematic changes when necessary, where where needed, where wanted, and that's, I mean, that's probably true. If you think about it. I mean, talking about a guy who's been doing things his way all his career. You're seventy two years old. You've You've basically done it all in terms of coaching. And it's hard to kind of flip the switch and, and go to more of a, the technical mindset that's now part of the coaching game today. But that is part of the coaching game today. 
And it seems that's what well, I keep seeing reading different commentaries from those from these reporters covering the Rams, and it that's what it appears to be. It's like Sean McVay wants to have a little more so the defense doesn't really need, you know, that grandfatherly influence now with Phillips. He's a little bit older, wanting to take more accountability, but he also wants somebody who's going to take more of initiative when it comes to things piece by piece, and not just one large philosophy of fundamentals. I I think you have to do that, especially in light of three key games this year where we saw breakdowns. Tampa Bay game, the Baltimore game, and the Dallas game. You can't count Baltimore. How can you not count Baltimore? You can't count Baltimore. How can you count that? Listen, that defense was getting shredded from the start. Now, you know that. We can blame the offense all we want, more. man. But come on, that's that's, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother offense this year. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But I, and I will stand there and I will make this argument until I'm blue in the face. The Rams have okay. the personnel to deal with them. The way they went out there, though, from play one. Come on, man! You watched that game just as much as I did. You saw it. Right. They were not. They weren't ready. Nobody. They were not ready. They weren't ready. In three different games, but I think the scariest part for me were, were in all those games, where did you really see any adjustment when things were going bad? It just stayed the same. And I'm not the only person to know, notice that. A lot of people notice that. We, we go, you know, you, you and I, we've, we've butted heads before a little bit on, you know, offense, defense, some schematics, some thoughts on this, but. Can you really tell me you can go back to that game and, and not see there were zero changes to coverages, to movement, the line, nothing? I mean, there's no perfect defense out there personnel-wise, right? I mean, as much as we wish there could be. In today's salary cap world, where you have to let players go, you're never going to have a A-plus offensive line, A-plus defensive line, A-plus wide receiver core, A-plus linebacker core, you're going to have flaws in your game. We can't just say, well, they didn't have players. They had a lot of players. They had two of the best players in the league in Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, but who else is around them? Yeah, the question marks, but scheme-wise, they were great some games, and in the games that got beat, well, you got to adjust. True. You got to think, though, when you have an Aaron Donald, you have to have some other options on the front that are allowing him to still get that one-on-one block. When we talk about Javon Ramsey, you know, when he got to us, you know, a number of games are under belt and he was quote unquote somewhat coming off an injuries. So, you know, he's still got to get back to three or four. Again, he's playing corner. That's not like playing nose guard or even maybe middle linebacker. No, you're out there what we call the freeway. And if your engine isn't ready to roll, yeah, some bad things are probably going to happen. You're, if you're a CHP officer and, and you got an eight-cylinder car and it's really only operating with six cylinders because the gas is bad, well, you're not going to be able to chase down that Ferrari. So as much experience that Jalen Ramsey may have, you're still coming into new environment, new city, new practice habits, new, new demands, new scheme, new terminology. And so there's an adjustment period. I'm going to put my hat on this peg here and say that Jalen Ramsey will be night and day compared to this year to next year. Just the fact that he's now having been here for more months than a few and knows the lay of the land. He knows people and he's probably settling in as a teammate, all those good things, but he'll be back to the guy you can just put out there and lock down that side of the field. You know, we saw in the last game, you had that situation where he's saying we're playing a coverage he thinks the safety or the safety supposed to be over the top. But technique-wise, if it was the call 22-man, as he called it, where you have to reroute from the corner position, okay, Jalen, you didn't do your job. You just were sinking off. Dude just ran up the field. So those types of things are evident of change in team chemistry, all those good things. And, yeah, you may have great players on paper, but there still takes time to gel as a unit. So I don't know that the Rams defense, especially ever gelled as a unit with so many young guys, new guys, and just guys in transition. 
My concern, though, with the defense is this. It was, you know, Phillips is, and to me, will always be one of the best offensive coordinators ever to, to be a part of this league. It's not close, really. I mean, from the top echelon to the next echelon. He definitely is part of that top. He definitely belongs to be regarded as that. What I'm saying overall, though, is those three games showed some flaws in the system here, that something wasn't being done. And given his age, given what Sean McVay wants, compared to 30-year-old Sean McVay to 33-year-old Sean McVay, he's been there three years and getting his own feet under him, wanting to take more accountability. And also given something else. is it, And as much as I hate to admit it, this defense never became what we thought it would become when he was hired. We thought this defense would, at the very least, become a top 10 defense every year eventually, very quickly. And that didn't happen. It didn't happen at all. We, To me, this defense had its moments where it was elite. And sometimes this defense laid an A, like Tampa. Going back to 2018, we saw his defense with some injuries, fair, okay, struggle. We saw 2017, Struggles. I understand you don't gel, but now you're three years in a system there and you have to produce results. And the results, compared to the name Wade Phillips and what you want him to be and what you want from him as a defensive coordinator for your, for your team, weren't there. They just weren't. I mean, you're, you're expecting a top 10 defense every year. You weren't getting it. Well, you bring up a great point, DC, and I don't even know if you probably know you did, but. Great point, and let's just look at respect. Sean McVay, younger man. Wade Phillips, older man. Head coaching experience, all kinds of influence, right? Uh, when you go to the Rams organization, you look at the defensive guys, respect Ray, uh, Wade Phillips very, very extensively, high level of respect to him. And maybe there's underlying things, as you're saying, maybe Coach McVay wanted to do some things. But from a respect standpoint, maybe he's like, man, I just don't want to, you know, look like I'm disrespecting what is kind of a present day legend. Right. You know, it's kind of like you're not going to disrespect your dad or your grandfather. You're going to maybe go with something, even though, you know, it's not really working. So the best way to do it is. Maybe I go out of my way to do it a different way. You know, I don't know. Maybe him being younger, maybe feel like the defensive guys would listen to Wade before he they would ultimately listen to him. So, yeah, maybe you bring in, in younger guys who you feel like if you have to go tell them something, you can walk up to him and tell him. Maybe he didn't feel like he could really go tell Coach Phillips anything. I don't know. But that's a good point. You know, maybe it's just in his own way, being a younger head coach and wanting to, again, have the the stamp your thumbprint on the team overall, where everybody absolutely knows you're calling all the shots, not opposed to, well, defensively, Coach Phillip calls the shots no matter what. Maybe that was the case. So, yeah, you bring up that's a great point. That's. Pretty much my only point, unfortunately. <laughs> but I just, no. um, I view it as you have to get that defense where they need it to be. And every once in a while it was. Actually, a lot of time it was this year against the middling teams. But against the Ravens, they weren't ready. Against um, the Cowboys, they weren't ready. That was the, two of the biggest games of the year. Tampa Bay, how are you not going to be ready for that? You, This is a team that you, technically on paper, at least at the time, you should have been destroying, right? And they walked through that defense, a defense that had been pretty stinking good those first three weeks. Last year breakdowns, and it just was never what we thought it was going to be. It doesn't mean he didn't accomplish anything. That Super Bowl, giving up 13 points, only 13 points in the game. If you if, if you had told me the day before that game they ran only got 13 points, I would have said, yes, we're going to win the Super Bowl. But that's not what happened. And so 
it doesn't change how I feel about Wade Phillips. It just means he didn't meet the expectations I I thought were there. That's all. Yeah, I mean, you know, bigger point I think you're trying to make is simply there are going to be days when you need your defense to keep you in the game, just like there's days when you need the offense to just score a few more because we can't stop them, coach. So, absolutely, if you have the ability and, you know, we haven't all broken down, you know, Meaning us, me and you, or at least I haven't, haven't went back and broken down how many big plays they gave up in those games. But that's one of the things that's a killer to any defense is if you're just giving up plays in two, three, three series, you know, two or three plays and they're in the end zone in two minutes. You're like, what happened? You guys got to at least be a little more stingy. So when you're looking at close, close losses throughout the year, you know, Definitely. I mean, we saw it in, again, the last game. We got a team two times, third and 15, and for what at third and 15 plus, and for whatever we give up first downs, which ends up leads to us losing the game at the end. You know what I mean? So, yeah, all, all those things play into it. That all said, I guess we're going to find out what happens. Let's introduce you to the new coordinators. Before we do, we do want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams' history, the personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hall of Seeing Great Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out the story of his father and a team he played for in an era of glitz, Glamour and future Hall of Famers. You can read about players like Norman Brocklin, Elroy, Craig Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in the story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Find, you can find Hawk's book online anywhere, but especially at hallwithteam.com and on Twitter at hallwithteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and it's also on paperback. So go check it out. Leave the man a review, please, at Amazon. All of this proceeds go to a great cause of Homeboy Industries. Check it out. I'm serious. Most of our staff has read it. It's always seen great glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. It's worth your time. All right, so here's the deal. The, the Rams do, in their revolving door, bring in two new faces this week. One of them being Kevin O'Connell, the former Washington Redskins offensive coordinator. He's been a quarterback guru, uh, which... I think many of us would be excited about worked with a lot of different quarterbacks who've been successful at least the college level. He's, uh, I think giving, been getting some unfair uh, criticism, I guess would be the fair word. And, you know, because of the Redskins offense the last couple of years. Well, I think there's pretty good reason for that. I am curious your thoughts. I, th- I know a little bit of we talked before about th- this hire so let's hear it. Kevin O'Connell, new offensive coordinator. Yeah, it's uh, pretty interesting and just uh, transparency. I got to see Kevin when he was a quarterback uh, at San Diego State. My son was on the team there. So uh, just put that out there. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. My situation is just overall experience, time at this NFL level, time in the league. Do you have to have, you know, 15, 16, 20, 25 years of experience before you can get into this role? No, not really. But you also do have to take into consideration what have you done for me lately? And that's kind of where we live at in today's society. I think the hire is something McVeigh would do in the sense of, again, another younger guy. You know, he's been an offensive minded guy his time in league he's coached under some great coaches in uh, a sense but you know there's always connections you know john mcveigh came in under uh one of the gruden brothers uh kevin o'connell coached on team with one of the other gruden brothers so you just never know he's like hey bro you know is this guy a good kid yeah man up and coming yeah he might want to have him on the staff he will listen he'll do this He's got a great mind. You know, all those things go into a guy that seemed like he's moving ahead quicker than the other guy. So overall, that's what you look at. But you would hope that, you know, in spite of what we see on paper last couple of years is him uh, passing game 
game coordinator and quarterbacks coach with the skins and OC last year. Didn't see a whole lot. But again, you hear all these other things that go on on with the organization and the Redskins and, you know, instability can cause a lot of things. So, uh, and at the same time, maybe he gets another year to coach that skins offense in this night and day. It's just now Rams us being in a situation where, you know, we need to take that step forward to be that team of the future consistently. Uh, the good thing we have is Sean McVay. I think everybody, Everybody knows he has a lot to do with calling the offense. So is this guy just coming in basically to learn more under him before maybe more and more gets turned over? Uh, similar to, you know, Eric Bieniemy and, and uh, Andy Reid out in KC. You know, Andy Reid still has a little bit of thumbprint on the offense. Uh, Eric Bieniemy is calling a lot of plays, but you can definitely see Andy Reid is very involved in calling plays as well. So. Could be that type of situation. But overall, my concern is just overall time and experience and now being brought into what is going to be a highly expected situation that he improves or helps improves for us to be that playoff team that everybody thinks we should be. I I look at this situation as he's looking for his mat on the floor. 2017. He had his eyes in the booth. That's Matt LaFleur. And he needs that. I just take the hiring as he admitted he needs help. His other coordinators, both Cromer and Waldron, already have position duties. He needed eyes above to help him see what he's seeing. He's still going to call plays. And that's the reason why you wouldn't see, say, a Jay Gruden coming in. Like, uh, I, I'm... Right now, right this very moment, having a debate with downtown Rams about it, and they're saying they're saying this, they believe that uh, O'Connell is the best candidate on the market right now for the job, and I'm saying, well, no, Jay Gruden would be the best candidate in the market right now for the job if they're talking about open candidates. I'm not talking about say Eric Bieniemy out there in Kansas. He's he's got a job. So, with that in mind, why not Jay Gruden? Well, the answer is simple. Jay Gruden's not going to call plays. He's just, he's still the best guy in the market. That's where that's, he and I are basically arguing semantics right now. Okay, Jay Gruden's the best guy in the market. Kevin O'Connell worked for him in Washington. So my guess is Sean McVay probably called Jay and said, Jay, what do you think about Kevin O'Connell? Kevin O'Connell comes in for an interview, shows him everything he needs, and guess what? He's got a job because he, he was able to show him everything he needed. And in that particular situation, point of view, what he needs, he needs his Matt LaFleur back. And, well, i got to be honest, Mike, that better be the case. Because if it's not, they're in trouble. Honestly, because you got a guy who does not have a whole lot of NFL experience in terms of coordinating an offense. So this better be what you're doing. Because if not, I think, I think it's a bad hire. I mean, it could be a great hire if that means exactly what McVay needs. But if he's... If he's being hired for something other than the McFlurin the LaFleur role, where he's the offensive coordinator from the sky and he's seeing everything down and relaying it to Sean and Sean's making the play calls, that's gonna be rough for an offense that had its its problems last year. Yeah, totally agree. And we don't know how this this offense is gonna end up. You know, are we gonna still have B Cooks? I don't know. Are they looking to Again, leverage expertise slash Jay Gruden leverage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and use that experience that hopefully he got under a guy like that to, as you say, absolutely be some eyes in the sky, be a guy to bounce some concepts and ideas off, or maybe he's going to allow him to, you know, take over what would be, you know, the tight end game or play, call, play calling slash he OC, but really maybe he's pass game guy. You know, I don't know. So I'm, I'm sure that there's a plan of attack and the reason why uh, I just look at it more grooming. You have a guy that you can more or less groom and teach and, and grow with you and maybe not be a guy that next year's getting someone's trying to snatch him from your team because he's the next guy. But that's actually my real big fear. When people are saying he's a great hire, I believe him. I don't have any reason 
to think differently. They're seeing something in him to where Josh McDaniels mentioned him as been linked to him on the staff. He's been mentioned as a as a candidate for the Eagles job, and now he gets hired for the Rams job. There's obviously something about him, despite the fact that he was in a bad situation, that a lot of teams like. So it's probably a great hire. I, I believe it is a great hire. It's not a great hire if he leaves next year. You can't keep having constant upheaval, especially with an offense right. that needs his quarterback to straighten out. If he's right. been a quarterback guy, and then he's also shown something in Washington, probably coming on the recommendation of Jake Rudin, right? Then he's your guy. If I'm the Rams, I'm saying, listen, we'll help. we want you here. We think you're a great fit. You need to stay here for two, three years as part of that deal before you go somewhere else. We'll pay you this, you know, whatever you want, right? You know what I'm saying? But you, we kids can't have you leaving in a year. Right. And I think the same goes for their defensive coordinator for Mr. Staley here, who I think is a very interesting candidate. He comes in with a couple years experience coming from Denver under the famous Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley. I mean, they're taking the risk here on two young guys with very little NFL experience because they see something in them. Just like the Rams saw something in Sean McVay when they hired him. Right. And you think that hopefully that they're looking at these guys that they're not going to be one or two and done and somewhere off, you know, they're going to be more of a three to four to five. I just was thinking three to four to five. You're talking about someone staying in the staff long term. Yes. Because in the end, I don't see how the Rams can stay successful long term without providing stability within their own staff moving outwards down to the roster Well, you players. can't. There's, it's, it's impossible. I mean, New England has seen over the last fewer years, you know, they've started to lose a lot of their top guns over the last few years. But the years before that, you know, guys were staying. I mean, even like a Josh McDaniels, he stayed a lot longer than people anticipated. But, you know, second in charge, even though there's – visibility you know it's not like they're calling for you to get your head chopped off because you don't do x y and z because in new england's place they have a buffer in place called a guy named bill belichick so he has a lot of you know power in the sense of calling the shots i think coach mcveigh being hired by the rams organization young or not he ended up having a lot of power because you bring a guy in that young you're they're saying we're going to be hooked to the hip for years to come because we're absolutely doing something that's a little bit unprecedented, if you will. And once you show, especially with his case, early success, it's going to give him a lot more credibility in who he's hiring and why. But absolutely, uh, you have to have some cohesive and staying power within your organization. You, you just can't have turnover every year, especially at those uh, high leverage position as an OC or DC. But that's really the case, though, with New England, because for the most part, they do have some staff changes here and there. But over the course of 20 years overall, they've been pretty stable. When Charlie Wise and, and right. Cornell were there, they were there for yes. several years. Josh Jones has right. been there for several years now. He's, several, yes. I mean, you need that stability. You really, really need that. And if you keep changing out every year, that's a serious problem, especially when you're developing a quarterback, especially. Even now, I mean, the Patriots lost Matt Patricia a couple of years ago, okay? And they've kept it going. What's the difference for them? They already have that defense locked, loaded in the system. They just promoted the next guy who was ready. Did the Rams have that with any of these moves? No, they went and hired out and brought him in. And they're young guys. So I'm really worried. Right. I'm worried. Uh, I mean, it's the feedback we, we've seen on both of them is that they are both future stars. Well, we've seen a lot of future stars fade real quick in this league. And I think there's, I need to be allowed to have a little bit of pessimism there while also thinking this could be great. What would really be great, though, is finding quality staff and keeping it together for four or five years. That would be really great. Yeah, that would be totally 
you know, I mean, you look at it in the sense of there's a lot at stake for next season. You're moving into a new stadium. So then just throw it out there. What if the Rams end up eight and eight, miss the playoffs again? What then? I think heads are going to roll. You think heads are going to roll? Well, which heads, though? That's a good question, but I think heads are going to roll. The reason why is because they literally only get one shot at getting this stadium kicked off right. They have already made numerous cap decisions that have put them behind the eight ball. Yes. You are asking fans to pay thousands of dollars for your PSLs. The Chargers have already had to drop their prices. You got to show that your product is worth it. You're still trying to win a fan base. You can't mess this up. You have to go in next year guns blazing. You cannot fail here. This is to me high right. stakes. They botched yeah, up the so first you're year. Like me. Yeah, they botched the yeah, first year, didn't they? They lucked out in getting Sean McVay in 2017 and they lucked out even more that Phillips came with them. Because despite my concerns about how him not reaching expectations, he still did a pretty solid job, and he still provided ex, you know an experienced shoulder for McVeigh to learn from and lean on. Now you're entering this new stadium. Yes. You're changing your colors. You're changing your uniform. You are asking fans to spend crazy amounts of money, and you're asking fans to trust you when they're seeing all kinds of weird things happen to the organization. You cannot mess this up. Yeah, and that's where the stakes to me are very high because you go eight and eight, right? Maybe you miss the playoffs. No, probably gonna miss the playoffs, eight and eight, right? We've already talked about letting one of our better coaches go to opposing person in conference, you know, not so much division, but in the conference, uh, that you probably would see in the playoffs. And, and you know, you just see all these different things that are happening. I just don't know if it goes that way and you say, and, you know, we're agreeing that heads probably would fall, you know, fall. How does that really play out? Because then it's going to automatically go back to, oh, we're rebuilding again. So to me, this is almost like it's rebuilding, but trying to hide it that it's not with the hope that, hey, we improve and at least get into the playoffs. You know what I mean? I mean, the question, and it's probably a good question because it's only our our third show of the new year. The good question for you now would be, what constitutes success next year? Yes. What do the Rams have to do to have the 2020 season be considered success? Yes. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you have to get in the playoffs and you probably have to at least go second round. You have to. If you don't if you don't make the playoffs next year, oh my goodness. Because then like, it's gonna start to look like a trend. You know what, what record? I mean? What records do they have? I'm gonna say you're gonna have to be like ten and six. Yeah, I'm going ten and six, eleven and five. Compete for division all year, make the playoffs. Yes. Okay. Um, yep. That's what has to happen minimum. Minimum. And in many other cities, that's a huge achievement. For the Rams right now, it's an achievement, but look where you've been. Yet the bar has been raised, and you're here. I mean, this comes down so much to demographics, too. You're trying to win. Over a fan base that you ditched for over 20 years. You're trying to win them over long term. A fan base that now has all kinds of different fans there. You're talking about a city that is already regarded by many, including our own Tommy, as being a fair weather city. I don't think it's entirely fair. I, th- I think when, if you go out there and you see how teams have supported, fans have supported the Lakers when they were horrible forever, when they supported the, the, the Dodgers when you know McCourt was running the thing, and, and the Angels haven't been to the playoffs in five years, and the people at least still buy tickets to go over three billion people. There's ample evidence of support, but 
It's a city of 18 million people in the metropolitan area. You have a ton of transients. You have a bunch of young kids who are going to grow up right now to either be Chargers or Rams fans with lots of San Francisco roots, with 49ers fans down there, with Raiders fans down there. You have to make the splash. You got to be making a splash everywhere. You got to be making a splash on the field. You got to be making a splash in the community. You got to be in the schools. You got to be everywhere. You cannot mess this up. And they already basically messed it up once. They got a mulligan with, with McVeigh. What happens now at this new stadium? I'm looking here at the 2020 schedule, right? So obviously you got, you know, your conference people in Arizona, Seattle, Frisco. Uh, but then you're playing the Cowboys, New coaches, one of our coaches there. You're playing the Giants, getting new coaches. Obviously, Philly's Philly. Redskins, you know, that'll be a game now that uh, Coach O'Connell's with us. Uh, Bills, the Dolphins, the Patriots, uh, Jets, Buccaneers, and Chicago. So, again, you're looking at Arizona. They'll be better next year. But are you going to split or take two from them? Seattle? We got to play them twice. Are we going to split or try to take two from them? You know, the Niners, minimum, you have to split, right? And then the Cowboys, that speaks for itself, and then you go on down the line. So there's just a lot at stake because the teams either got some new coaches or teams that that you play, they should be better as well. So how is everything going to work in the in the big picture on wins and losses, the injury bug? You know, obviously, we're going to see some some cap things going on in the next couple uh, weeks and months. You know, who are we keeping? Who are we getting? Who are releasing? You know, all those things will play out, you know, over the next uh, few months until the draft and then after. So I, I just I just don't see us if we don't make the playoffs, you're just going to start hearing it. Well, we are. It was what's crazy to me has been we already were hearing it though. We were hearing it based off of a rough year this year. People calling for Sean McVay. Like, we, you're categorically insane, by the way. If you right. if you want him fired, yeah. You, I mean, it's just. You mean you're going to get the good and bad here. You obviously have a great mind who's doing what he feels he has to do to succeed. And he's also still a young mind who is going to keep learning as a head coach. And I thought Tommy said it best a couple months ago. He says, I don't want to see Sean McVay fail here to go somewhere else and be successful. Because that's what's going to happen. He is the real deal. So calling for him to be fired to me is 100% idiotic. Let's, let's get a grip here. But that seat gets really warm really fast next year if this team is not contending all the way through and they should contend that schedule you just read is a very doable schedule. It's not for once. The Rams schedule is not impossible next year. They got the Seahawks at home, four hours at home, Cardinals at home. That's, that's, that's your division. That's going to be a tough, it's going to be the toughest division in the NFL next year, right. but you get the giants at home. That's, that should be a win right now. Dallas, right. they're gonna be they're gonna be really good, but that's still at home. New England is coming back to the pack. They're gonna be there. The Jets, Chicago, that's a nice home schedule. That's not an overtly difficult schedule. It's not like you're bringing in the Saints and the Eagles and the Packers and all those guys. In, okay, I mean you're going to eat. You're going to eat. You are going to fill. Yeah, or the Ravens again, right? Yeah, I mean you're right. going. You're you're facing a much weaker AFC division next year, and you get a third place schedule. So you you better make good on this. Seattle, San Francisco, Arizona, on the road. Okay, yeah, you're going you're going to the Eagles. You're going to Washington. You're going to Miami. You're going to Tampa. Those are games you should be able to win. And you're going to Buffalo. Buffalo will be tough, but it's at least a competitive game. I just don't see how they can't be successful next year. They better be successful next year. I'm not saying go 14 to be Super Bowl champs. We all want that. We have no idea how this draft or offseason is going to go yet to make that kind of call. But don't tell me 
it's going to be okay to go in that stadium your first year when you're trying to win people over and then blow it up in a bad way with a third-place schedule. You better not do it. you got to get it right. Yeah. you <laughs> See, when you put it plain like that, yeah, you better get it right. So it'll be interesting because, you know, ultimately this is where I think management has to come out or maybe they are just not ready. But you just got to say, this is going to be our guy. But whether uh, this happens or that happens, this is our guy. That right there instantly. McVay? Yes. But if I'm them, I'm, I'm not even thinking that way because nobody in a sane world is saying McVay should be fired. It's the it's the goofballs who have got derangement syndrome who are saying that stuff right now. But in a year, you might hear. It. You wouldn't even. I wouldn't feel the need if I was less neat or or cronky to say, hey. He's our guy. To me, as a logical human being, I know he's our guy. But but truthfully, again, are teams, organizations, are they actually being run by their business model and what they talk about in their meeting rooms? Or do they succumb to outside media pressure, which isn't really media pressure because – who cares what someone's saying or writing on a blog? Now, you look at it from a business perspective. Are you looking at it from that aspect? And you look at like, oh, okay, we're 85% sold on our, our licensing. We're good. You know, or are we closer to 65% knowing that ooh, we need this year to get us to 85 to 90? You know, I don't know what those mm-hmm. numbers are. So ultimately, I'm saying, how is an organization sticking to what their business plan is? Are we in it? Dallas Cowboys to make sure we're making money as the Cowboys, because that's what we do ultimately. Are we in it to win the championship and we have a plan that each Even if it takes two or three or even four years, we're going to stick to that plan. I think we're about to find out. You know what I mean? Because I think we're about to find out. Exactly. You know, entering the stadium, what's the real priority here? As a guy who has done a whole lot of study on economics, my belief is simple. You're talking about making money. You want that model to work. Well, your product has to draw people to it. And the number one way to do it is winning. So to me, that's the number one goal right now. Provide good, winning, exciting football in L.A., and you'll win those people over. If you provide anything else, you're not going to win them over. It's just not going to happen. And So, D.C., real quick, uh, go ahead with your future thought, but you know, I want to get some input from you on the running back coach. The running back coach? Well, geez. Possible. I that think for the next round. I think we should probably save that for the next round. Give me, you know, All because right. uh, I have some thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I think overall, you know, let's just say it this way. If the Rams are right on these guys, then they just got themselves some stars. If they're yep. wrong, we're going to find out real quick. My final thought overall is I really wish – that somebody would write a book who has inside knowledge of that locker room in 2019. Because I think a lot of our questions will be answered if we understood the dynamics of the coaching relationships there with the players. What happened? I want to know. Because you don't make changes like this out of thin air. You make them because something wasn't working. So what wasn't working behind the scenes that translated to the field? That's what I want to know. Your closing thoughts? Hey, I agree. Uh, There's just something that doesn't make sense. And I know we'll talk about the running back coach, but remember, we talked a lot about, you know, times they would pan to uh, Skip Pete, you know, sitting next to Gurley and both of them would just have this look on their face. And I go, man, something just doesn't make sense that every time he comes out. So, yeah, I'm definitely interested in, in figuring out, you know, what's going on in the locker room. But I'm going to just having been a player, I'm going to just say it's just the time of you're getting guys in to replace guys who have been there. Maybe that year, everybody, that was my best buddy. And then now he's not. Now it's taking time to rebuild uh, 
you know, those relationships from a player standpoint. So, uh, yeah, we're going to see pretty quick here, you know, what may be because those things can't stay hidden longer, especially as things absolutely play out. So I would imagine something's going to get leaked out here, you know, pretty, pretty soon. We're going to, you know what? I was about to say something else and I caught myself. I wouldn't, I was going to say, I wouldn't count on getting leaked because they have done pretty stinking good at not getting things leaked this year. The Rams are tight lipped. And quite frankly, I don't blame them. We've seen what happens to teams that aren't tight lipped. Look at the Browns, man. The Browns had all the talent in the world this year, fell apart. And everybody knew it. And everybody knew why. Right. Right. I'm just saying. All right, it's time for us to go. Mike and I will pick this up next week, and by then we should know more about what's going on with the coaching staff. I think there's going to be some more changes, especially with Aubrey Pleasant and Joe Barry. Hopefully not like those guys, but when you're bringing a new guy, well, I don't know. We'll find out. You can find us on Twitter at TalkRams. You can find us individually at DC Paul for me, Derek C. Paul, and you can find Mike at 1223. Don't forget we're anywhere podcasts can't be found. So for Mike and the entire Rams Talk team, this is Derek C. Paul saying, we're out of here. We'll see you midweek. Take care. See you then. Now there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. Bring everyone together in a new virtual room. Collaborate live, building ideas on the same page. And see more of your team on screen at once. Learn more at Microsoft.com Teams. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department.